Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I know um, if you're newer or one of your first times, we appreciate you coming out. Sometimes it's hard to step into a new place, and, and we're glad you did that. If you're joining us online, I, I want to thank you for doing that too. So when I'm driving in town, I'm on Superior. You know, it's two lanes going each way, and there's somebody behind me driving a little crazy, trying to get past me. My, my first feeling is to get annoyed. Come on, man, we're in town. Yeah, and I'll make my way over only because I don't want to get rear-ended by you. But I, I, I just have a bad attitude towards somebody who's trying to push their way through. But if that somebody is a fire truck and the lights are going, well, I'll get over as quick as I can. Why? Because I understand their mission is to help someone who's in danger. There's a fire someplace. There's a medical emergency someplace. And because I understand their mission... I'll gladly submit and pull over. Well, Jesus came as one in authority. And he claimed to be the Son of God. And, and you know, that can be a little off-putting. He wants to run your life. He wants to run my life. Really. But I think if we understand his mission, like me with the fire truck, we'll be a whole lot more willing to step over and let him run our lives. So what is Jesus' mission? That's what I want to talk about this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to John chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 21, uh, we'll go through this passage and wrestle with this question, what is Jesus' mission? What is Jesus' mission? Now, if you haven't been with us, we're about week 7 in the Gospel of John. John said, I, I spent three years with this guy. Uh, part of his public ministry, I saw him do all kinds of stuff that made me think he is the son of God. That's what he said. And I'm writing to convince you. So that, listen, we're not pulling any punches here. John said, this is my purpose. I'm writing to convince you that Jesus is the son of God. And so he started. He says, in the beginning, Jesus was there. He was God and he was with God. So he, he was there. He spoke creation into existence. Then 2,000 years ago, he, he took on flesh, that God might dwell among us. Now, before that was going to happen, God sent a forerunner named John the Baptist, because Israel hadn't had a prophetic word from God in 400 years, to get them ready to hear from God. Man, John the Baptist drew crowds, and they sent out a delegation. Who are you? And, and he said, I, you know, I'm a voice saying, get ready, because God's shown up in a unique way. A couple weeks ago in chapter 2, we saw the first of what we would say, seven signs. John is a prosecuting attorney trying to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he's presenting evidence, and he's going to present seven signs. And the first one was he took some water and he changed it into wine like that. Last week, we saw him, uh, Jesus be offended because the, the, the temple, the place where you meet with God, had been placed, turned into a place of commerce, we, so he drove people out. Right at the end of that, verses 23 to 25, uh, there was a, a word play in Greek. They were said that there were people believing in Jesus, but Jesus wasn't believing in them. Because they wanted Jesus on their terms, and mm, Jesus is not there. You, you come on my terms, or you don't come at all. I'm the Son of God. I'm authoritative in your life. Well, that's where we are. In chapter 3, we're going to have a religious leader approach Jesus. He's a Pharisee. Pharisees were a minority, but they were influential because of stuff that had happened in the past. So we pick it up in that conversation. Here we go, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. I think he's coming by night because he wants to be kind of clandestine, to be seen with Jews 
to be seen with Jesus would be a black mark against him because already the religious leadership is suspicious of Jesus because of the crowd he's drawing. But Nicodemus and apparently some others are compelled because this is what he says. Rabbi, we, so we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's a statement, but implied in the statement is a question, who are you? Man, you are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's no way you can do that unless God's with you. So, so what is the deal? What is the deal? So Nicodemus is in process. He's seeing this and he's thinking, man, there's something to this. And, and throughout John, we'll see Nicodemus progress. Uh, John 7, we won't turn there, but uh, Nicodemus will defend Jesus before other Pharisees. And they'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa you, nothing good comes out of Galilee. I mean, he'll, he'll tarnish his reputation a little bit. John 19, after Jesus dies, Nicodemus will be part of anointing the body. He will identify with Jesus. For now, Nicodemus is in process. Man, I'm seeing a lot, and I'm wondering. And so the implied question is, who are you? And there'll be two more questions. We'll get to those in verses 4 and 9. So the question is, who are you? But Jesus doesn't answer that question. Not, not, not at all. Verse 3 says, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. The Jews understood it happening at the end of time. We understand it happens in part now, the rule of God, and it will come to completion when Jesus returns. But remember, the question was, Jesus, who are you? Uh, unless you see, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. You didn't answer my question. <laughs> Why does Jesus say that well unless born again means we're, we're renewed we're regenerated uh, Jesus has been saying unless you believe in me as the eternal son of God you're never going to understand all that's going on so so Nicodemus you want to understand you're asking who I am you want to get a full understanding of that you need to take me at my word you need to believe in me as the son of God and you need to be born again you need to be renewed you need to be regenerated have you guys ever seen, how many of you have been to a 3D movie? 3D movie where they give you the glasses? Okay, so if you go into a 3D movie and you don't put the glasses on, you see in two dimensions, right? The third dimension's there, you're just not seeing it. You put the glasses on, you see the third dimension. Well, that's how it is with Jesus. Yeah, until you're born again, that, that's the glasses. You don't see the things as they are. It's there, you're just not seeing it. So until you and I come to the point of faith, yes, Jesus, I take you to the word, I accept you, we're going to see him as an amazing man. He did amazing works. Man, he could pull some stuff off, but we're not going to see him as the eternal son of God, sent to die in our place, born again. So Nicodemus, man, he's asking, who, who are you? And Jesus said, you need to be born again. And kind of, what is up with that? So verse four, here's his second question. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born again. Be born, can he? This is some scorn. This is some derision. Jesus, what are you talking nonsense, man? You're talking junk. Am I climbing in my mother's womb, being born again? Is that what you're talking about? Jesus is going to add some clarification to what it means to be born again. Verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say, unless one is born of the water, born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, you talk about being born of water and of the Spirit, you can imagine this gets all kinds of scholarly 
suggestions of what this means. To me, I think Jesus is referring back to the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, Israel was in exile at that time. They had failed miserably as a nation for 600 years. They had been disobedient to God, and God, um, they had been finally overrun by the Babylonians. They were living in exile in Babylon. And Ezekiel is a prophet to the people of Israel in Babylon. And this is what he says to them. Ezekiel 36. He says, Then, looking at the future, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. What is going on here? God called Israel as a nation. They went into slavery. I'm, I'm telescoping this quickly. And he moved through a guy named Moses and brought him out. He said, I'm taking you to a promised land. He brought him in through Joshua, finally. But the book of Judges is this story of cycles. Israel obeys and they disobey and it's kind of they get God's blessing and then they turn their back on him. And, and, and then you get some kings and the first king's no good. His name is Saul. The second king we looked at is David. He was a good king, but he was still flawed. And it's a history of obedience and disobedience. And it's the people saying, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. And it's 600, 700 years of that. And finally, God says, this isn't working. There's a day coming when I'm going to do something within you because you can't do it on your own. You can't obey me on your own. I'm going to cleanse you from your sin and I'm going to transform you with my spirit. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy given in Ezekiel 600 years, 500 years beforehand. Jesus is on mission to do for people what they can't do for themselves, to lead them to follow God. And we talked about people behind you, and it's a, it's a fire truck. Okay, I'll step aside because I understand the mission. And, and maybe if we understand Jesus' mission, we'll bow the knee to him. So we ask the question, what's Jesus' mission? Here it is. Jesus came to offer cleansing and transformation. Now, you're going to have to believe in him. I'm going to have to believe in him. I'm going to have to accept him as the eternal son of God. I'm going to have to humble myself. But that's why he came, to cleanse and to transform. But again, this term of being born again is out there, and, 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 and Nicodemus is confused. So Jesus is going to try and flesh it out for him. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So all of us are the product of a union of a man and woman, and we came from a woman's womb, one way or another, C-section, whatever. Jesus said, this is a different kind of birth. There's no physical birth. This is not a fleshly birth. This is a spiritual birth. This is God reaching into the recesses of your soul and doing something you can't do for yourself. So Jesus says, verse 7, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. That, that shouldn't be a shock to you, Nicodemus. Then he draws an analogy, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You ever gotten up in the morning after a windstorm? I mean, you heard it the night before, but you're driving to work and what do you see? See tree branches down. See garbage cans blown all over. You see the impact of the wind, don't you? You don't know where it came from. You don't know where to win. Can't control it, but, but you can't deny it. Jesus says that's the Spirit of God. Can't see it. Can't control it. Don't know where it comes from. But, but you can't miss the impact, the evidence. So it is with the Spirit of God. 
can't control it, can't see it, but you can't miss it. So, okay, so Nicodemus asked a question, verse 1 and 2, implied, who, who are you? And verse 4, how, how can this be? So, one more question, verse 9. It's really the same question a third time. Nic- Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? I mean, he's stupefied. How can this be? Remember, the Jews had developed a system, and they had taken the Old Testament, they had added 640 precepts to the law, and they said, you get to God by, by following the Old Testament, following all these precepts. Now, you're, Jesus, you're talking crazy. You're talking nonsense. You're talking about being born again. How can this be? He's stupefied. Well, Jesus is equally stupefied with Nicodemus. In verse 10, here's what he said. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher? I mean, you are the main guy. You're the main teacher of Israel. You don't understand these things? Seriously, Nicodemus, you don't, you, 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 man, you went, to, you went to seminary, dude. You got an Old Testament degree. You should know what's going on. You know the history of Israel is one of failure. We'll be good. No, we won't. We fail. No, we're good. Okay, okay, we're, we're being judged. God, we cry out. Okay, and, and so it went oh, for six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand years. You, we, me and you, we can't pull this off. We need to be born again. Why is that such a mystery to you, Nicodemus, who's supposed to be a man of the Scriptures? That's the message of the Old Testament. Israel fell on their face miserably. Yet I don't know about you, but I resonate with Nicodemus. I'd gone to church 18 years, almost. I turned 18 my freshman year in college. Went off as a freshman at Texas A&M. Classes started Monday. Saturday night, all the campus clubs and all the people got together. It would be like big red welcome for those of you who have gone to UNL. So I go in there to get my pizza coupons, you know, get your pizza coupons. And somebody says, hey, you want to do a religious interest survey? Sure, do it. Three questions and I'm on my way. And I can't, you know. Um, Tuesday, somebody knocks on my door. Do you remember filling this out? No, I don't, but that's definitely my handwriting. Oh, we're starting a, a Bible study on this dorm floor. Would you want to do it? Sure. And I thought, yeah, I, and I wasn't partying. I wasn't sleeping around, but I thought, yeah, I, I could, the good versus the bad, I, this would be good to do. I got my world rocked. Because what I heard week after week after week after week is I'm not good enough. And I need to be born again. I thought, that, how can this be? That can't be right. Well, February, so I'm at the six months. February of my freshman year, two guys in that Bible study come to faith, and they're getting baptized. And I tell the guy who's leading, I want to get baptized too. And he said, well, Andy, we need to talk again. And like for the 112th time, he lays out the gospel to me. And this time I thought, look, Andy, you either need to get on board with what you've been hearing the last six months, or you need to get out. Just stop going. And here's what I couldn't get past, that I wasn't good enough. And so this verse for me, and this phrase of this verse got to me, Ephesians 2, 9, for by grace you are saved through faith. And this, this phrase, this phrase got me, not as a result of works. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't get past that. So that morning, February 79, I thought I'm all, I'm all in. I'm taking Jesus at his word. But it's a process, and some of you are in process right now. And this is like wackadoodle. This is crazy. I hope we can give you space. I hope you feel comfortable to wrestle it through because it takes time. It will take Nicodemus some time. It'll take him the whole three years of Jesus' public ministry to come to be a man of faith. Jesus continues, verse 11 Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that 
what we know. I think Jesus using the we sarcastically felt like, you know, Nicodemus was kind of the we, kind of putting his weight. Well, well we, Father, Son, and Spirit, we, we, we know a lot uh, and testimony of what we have seen. And, end of verse 11, you do not accept our testimony. That's your failure. I have been saying I am the Son of God, come from God, eternally existent, sent to die for you, and you won't accept my testimony. Nicodemus, that's your problem. You're watching a 3D movie without the glasses, and you're only seeing 2D. You need to put the glasses on. You need to take me at my word. I'm the son of God, and you need to be born again. You need to be renewed. You need to be regenerated. Verse 12. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And I'm putting it in the simplest terms right now, Nicodemus. I want to tell you other stuff, but if you can't accept this earthly stuff, dude, you're in trouble. So let me ask, what's so hard about being born again? I think there's a lot, but, but one of the things, it reduces us to the level of a child, doesn't it? You're not good enough. You need to be renewed. You need to be regenerated. Everything you do is falling short of God's glory. It's really humbling. So when we were in Chile, uh, we met with medical students because they were coming to the U.S. and they want to get up and running on their English. Let me know the guy with Francisco. Francisco was a doctor, and he would go on a fellowship to Vanderbilt University in cardiology, and he would come back, and he would start a cardiology unit at the, universe, uh, the hospital in Concepcion. And he had been accepted. He had passed his TOEFL, which is your language, test of foreign language equivalency. But he was still struggling. He said, Andy, I can't walk in there with patients and be butchering the language. I'm going to lose confidence with them. I, I need to walk in there. So... The agreement we had was that hour, hour and a half we met, it was, we were staying in English. We were having a conversation. So we run into things like this. You travel on the plane, right? On the bus. On the train. On the car. No, 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 no. In the car. Well, Andy, why is it like that? Dude, it's just the way it is. But if you walk into a patient and you say, I drove here on the car today, they're going to lose confidence in you. <laughs> it's so humbling. He's an MD, and he can't even speak the language. And I was a great partner because I understood. I had learned Spanish, and I had done the same things. Boy, you sound real gringo there. Yep, yep. You reduce, Well, that's what being born again does. It reduces you. You start again in God's economy, in God's world. All right, verses 14 and 15. Jesus is going to give Nicodemus an illustration. So I'm trying with illustrations. You know, the fire truck behind you and the 3D glasses. So, so Nicodemus, I'm going to give you an illustration so hopefully you can understand what you need to do. And I'm going to take an illustration from the Old Testament from Moses. You guys were big on Moses. You thought Moses was the real deal. So verses 14 and 15, here we go. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So back in the day, they were coming. Israel had come out of Egypt. 
they were on their way to the promised land and they started complaining they were being bitten by snakes and they were dying. And they cried out to God. And God said, Moses, take a serpent on a stick and stick it up in the air. Now people, what you need to do if you want to be healed, you need to look at that thing and take me at my word that if you look at the thing, I'll heal you. Some did, some didn't. The ones that didn't, take God's word, well, they died. The ones that did, they were healed. So, so Nicodemus, I'm taking that illustration and I'm applying it to me. I'm going up on the cross in three years. Look to me like those people in the wilderness. If you'll do that, you'll be healed from your sin. If you won't, you'll die in your sin. Nicodemus, I'm trying to put it in your language. You need to take me at my word. At this point, the conversation with Nicodemus ends. This is some commentary I think John puts together from other things Jesus has said. Verse 16, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The world functions on a couple levels. The world is the system designed to exclude God. God said, I'm going to love the world. To the people of Israel, it's saying Jesus is not just for Israel. He is for everyone the world. Uh, verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that through the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus didn't come for judgment. You were already under judgment. I was already under judgment. So as a church, we adopted a refugee family. They've since moved to Arkansas. They, they had uh, a, couple, a little boy, a little, yeah, I don't think it was a little boy, maybe it was a little girl, who had lead poisoning. There was lead in the house. And so once they determined that, they had to hospitalize the little child and, and try to flush the, the lead from his or her system. Well, why didn't you just leave the child alone? Well, the child was being poisoned. We need to do something about that. Do you understand spiritually you're poisoned by your sin? Yeah, you're dying. You're under judgment. Jesus came. He's the hospital. He came to rectify that situation. That poison that's killing you, he came as a remedy. He came as an antidote for it, if you'll trust me. He didn't judge. You're already under judgment. I'm already under judgment. Jesus comes to relieve us from that judgment. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. He does not believe in him, has been judged already. Because why? He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus gives one more metaphor about sin and believing in him. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world and that men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Do you ever feel resented? as a Christian in your workplace, in your neighborhood, your homeowners association, in your school? Let me tell you why. Because you're the light. And, and people, we've all got evil, we've all got stuff, and we don't want it exposed. Jesus is saying, take that stuff and bring it to the light that you might be healed. But that's not human tendency. The human tendency is, I'm going to stay in the darkness. We don't realize it's killing us. Mm, two, three years ago. Had a gentleman in our church um, pass away from colon cancer. And it was about a year and a half battle. And he told me, 
in the process. Andy, I had symptoms months before by night, my diagnosis. But I kept those symptoms to myself because I didn't want to face a doctor. Well, guess what? <laughs> you faced a doctor, but it was too late. Don't stay in my point. Don't stay in the darkness with your sin. Bring it to Jesus. Then I deal with it. I'm not medically trained, but my understanding of colon cancer is you get it before it gets outside the colon, you got a good shot. If it gets outside the colon, it's too late. That was his case. Don't let your sin get away with you. It doesn't have to kill you. It is killing you. It doesn't have to. Would you bring it to the light? To Jesus. Say, here I am a sinner. I'm calling you. I'm believing in you as the Son of God. Would you forgive my sin? So what do we do? First, if you're here and you've never made that decision, again, we want to give you space. And if you're in process, please continue processing. But maybe today is a time where you put your faith in Jesus. Yeah, you know, I've been in the darkness, and I don't want to do that anymore. I understand I'm being poisoned, and I want to deal with that now before it's too late. We can do that by, by simply calling out to God. Jesus, I accept you. I, I, I take you at your word. You're the Son of God sent to die in my place. I cast my whole hope on you for the forgiveness of sin. Would you forgive my sin and transform me? my heart, so that I can live in submission to God as you desire me to live. Many of you here, have, you made that decision years ago. Many of us. My question is, are, are we living on mission? John was living on mission. He ended up being exiled for his faith. His other ten friends, they were martyred. Twelve disciples, one was Judas, one was John. They were ten. They, they, they were martyred. There are people in your sphere of influence who have no thought of God. Would you begin by praying for them? Would you ask for an opportunity to share your experience? Invite them to church, study the gospel. John, I don't know. What might God do that these people who are being poisoned, who are under judgment, might be delivered from that before it's too late? And then, you know, to be... Born again is to be renewed. It's to be regenerated. And some of us who have been this faith a while, we, we need to re remember that, that regeneration, it, it's an event and a process. Do we need to be regenerated in like our church attendance? We come because, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. How long, how long is that sermon? Or is it a chance to meet with God's people? Is it a chance to worship God? God, would you regenerate my heart to be with God's people and to worship you? Some of you meet with God daily to read your Bible. I, I want to commend that. Keep doing that. But is that something you, you check off? Got that done. Got that done. Got that move. Or is it a chance to meet with a living God? Again, God, would you regenerate my heart? Regenerate me? Some of you are serving God. You're, you're on the worship team. You're serving in kids' ministry. You're serving on ministries outside the church. I laud that. Is that a duty? Or is that a chance to serve the living God? Is that a privilege? God, would you regenerate, renew my passion for serving you? Because you set the example in serving us. That we wrestle with being born again, the event and the process. Where do we need to be renewed? Where do we need to be restored?
Any of you ever had a utility locator come on your property? What do they do? They come with a little gun, right? And they go, shh, they paint and shh. And that's the lawn. I mean, you've been fertilizing that lawn. You've been manicuring that lawn. You've been cutting the grass. And here's this guy, shh, shh. And then he makes a circle here, shh. What, what are you doing? Where do you get off to wrecking my lawn? Well, he's trying to help you not kill yourself is what he's trying to do. Because you're going to dig, and he's looking for utility lines so you don't blow yourself up or electrocute yourself. Oh, okay. Now that I understand your mission, I got it. Make no mistake. Jesus comes wanting to be full authority in your life. There are no other terms. Jesus, can I have half? No, 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 no. Well, why are you so demanding? Because I'm trying to keep you from killing yourself for eternity. I'm trying to help you avoid the judgment that you are already under. Would we be people that take Jesus at his word and believe in him as the eternal son of God and that believing in him, we can have eternal life. Life that starts now and goes into eternity. He was sent for cleansing and transformation. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for Jesus. He came because we're a mess. Uh, the people of Israel, their story is our story. Can't pull off obedience to you on our own. Prone to wander, prone to fa fail. And you said, we need to be born again. Nicodemus was confused. Well, maybe so are we. Um, again, in our confusion, would you help us see? that you are what we need, the transformation and cleansing that only you can bring. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.